as most of you probably know, there are like tons of tokens out there. And if there are like major tokens, like the top 100, they probably have decent slash sufficient liquidity. But as soon as you venture out of that, you end up with token that might be, I don't know, 50 million market cap for 500K liquidity on a deck somewhere. So that's a right. real challenge for most projects. And yes, there are solutions, but they have the downside. You all know of liquidity mining, for instance, that has a tendency to push the token price down toward oblivion or uh, other solutions to capture liquidity like Olympus Pro, but they right. also have the downside, most notably on the token price too, because you're yeah. offering a steep discount to bonders. So yeah, chicken bonds come here in, in that field, trying to offer another solution to solve that chicken and egg problem of liquidity. And essentially the way it does it is it does it with no cost for the project, but time. So it's a solution mm. to slowly build liquidity over time and capture more and more of it. to Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. I am excited today to have Token Bryce from Liquidy joining me. And for those of you that are longtime listeners to the show, you know that we did have an interview previously with Robert Lauko of Liquidy, one of my favorite protocols. I love the ethos of the foundations of this platform and project. I love the radically decentralized nature of this. Just being out there, I want to see more of that in DeFi. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to hear from Bryce what he how he got engaged with the project, why he got engaged with the project. And then we're also going to talk today, and we're talking about what Liquidy is for those that didn't hear the first episode, but we're also going to talk to Bay about something new called Chicken Bonds that Liquidy has released. So not first yet. of all, go ahead. Coming really soon, but it's not really released yet. It's announced. It's not, oh, I'm sorry. Not <laughs> no yet out. Coming soon. Coming soon. So, but first of all, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you ended up in crypto, and how you ended up working with the Liquidity team. Well, that's a long story. All right. So, <laughs> I'll so settle in. Let's get to it. So, yeah, I'm talking Bryce. I'm from Paris. I've been in crypto for four, five years, seriously now. And yeah, so long story short, just like pretty much everybody, I got to crypto more by the gambling aspect to it. I think some friend bought to me some obscure shitcoin where I wanted to try, you know, just the experience for the first time. Like most people, the said shitcoin went close to zero and wasn't that really interesting, but it kind of, you know, made me realize that there was something happening here, a lot of new projects, and I kind of got this early internet vibe from it really early. So I dive deeper into it. 
And one thing that quickly got my attention is DeFi. But back then we're talking 2017, 2018, DeFi yeah. was really small. It was essentially MakerDAO and Uniswap. That right. was DeFi. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was following it since the early days. I've essentially learned DeFi as it grew. And my first focus, my first activity within the space was to create a group we call DeFi Friends, which as the name would suggest, is really to discuss decentralized finance, but in French. So nice. back then there was like no space to discuss it in French. And essentially we realized that a lot of us were talking in English on English-based channels. And one day <laughs> one guy said bonjour, and then another answered selling on. We realized we were like half a dozen of us at least. So we started the group. And it nice. since, I think now we're like around 3,000 members strong. Wow. For what, you know, it's a Telegram group, Discord group. So it's always hard to go to real interest. But it's been, yeah, two years and a half. We've organized 15 meetups or something like that. All right. And we, yeah. And we're not spreading across France. So we have a first meetup coming up in Toulouse and teams getting set up in Rouen, Bordeaux, and another city I'm forgetting about. Sorry. But essentially, kind of going across France. The vision I is. I love a geo language focused DeFi group, especially at that size. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. We really realized that. You know, the stuff is technical enough. It's about finance and money. So it makes most of the people instantly scared. So yeah. we figured that if we can remove the language barrier, it's already a great, great start to ease adoption of DeFi and crypto in general. So yeah, that's what we're going after. And that's I guess phenomenal. The, yeah, the second biggest source of the group is, you know, it's not a trading group. We don't do TR, we don't do advertising, we don't do promotion, we don't do any of this kind. It's really just pure discussions and meetup. And the idea is for, you know, curious to discuss with like builders, because we actually have a lot of DeFi builders that are French or French speaking. So it's really cool to be able to tap into the brain, essentially. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I two days ago, I was thinking about how much is being built in France and how powerful the community is there. So that's, this is awesome. So this is kind of people that are maybe builders, but may not, but are investors or people that are fascinated by the mission of DeFi and just kind of all kinds of conversations happening, I guess. Yeah. And I know the, I want to say side effect, but I'm really happy about this one is it became a very good structure to onboard DeFi professionally. So we have at least close to 10 members now who joined the group kind of early on were not really knowledgeable about crypto or DeFi in general, but learned and participated a lot. And I've been able to find an actual job in the space in the last mm. six months, hired by protocols or companies or projects. Nice. But really makes me happy to see that happening. That's very cool. So you guys are like an on-ramp to talent into the space. That's yeah, fantastic. That's a bit of a side effect, but a really nice one. My <laughs> goal was yeah. a space, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and information in French. And then it come with it. I'll take it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. And you're tra you like to travel a lot, so you've been traveling all over the place. Yeah, I've been traveling quite a bit lately, trying out this digital nomad dream since April. I'm going around Europe mostly to see clients, to go to conference, or just to have a chill time in the wood when I need a bit of rest. <laughs> nice, nice. And your professional background, kind of, how does that tie into the work you're doing, either with Liquidity or other projects? Sounds like you work with more than one. Yeah. So. Crypto-wise, my background is just four or five years old, essentially. So I worked with the first company called Monolith, 
which was um, uh, essentially a crypto debit card. So a Visa card paired with a non-custodial wallet, you know, to allow you to spend your crypto easily without nice. giving control of your assets. So that was an interesting project to get started. And then I moved on to help Paraswap with the launch of the token and the DAO uh, cool. a few months ago. And yeah, and then I was available and Liquidity posted a job announcement for head of growth back then. I saw the offer. I've been a long time fan of Liquidity since pretty much the launch. I was already like, nice. talking about the protocol a lot, wrote an article about it way before I even applied to that job. So when I saw the announcement, I applied. I was a bit, what to say, a bit taunty in my application, you know, because I wanted to see how they reacted. So <laughs> I was kind of like, I, I can't remember. Oh yeah, they were asking for a link-in. And in the form I put, okay, boomer, or, you know, like stuff like that to just <laughs> test the water. <laughs> That's awesome. That's friggin' awesome. And I was really glad to see I that. I would have probably hired you day. just for that. Yeah, the next day I was contacted and we chatted and, you know, they quickly realized that I was a DeFi degen, but also very well aligned with ESOS and appreciative of what Liquidity has built so far. So, yeah, That's it's worked great. pretty naturally from here. So what your background historically outside of DeFi, is it more marketing and growth oriented or were you always kind of peripheral to tech or? Yeah, that's a bit of like what connect all my career when I say. So before crypto, what I was doing was I was helping, let's say, companies that were producing quite a technical product. So usually an API, for okay. instance. And I would help them go to market online. So figure out their web presence, a website. And my main focus was content. So I was writing a lot of content and helping them, nice. you know, get views, promotion, and so on. So essentially make sure they exist online and they can find their customers. Awesome. And you said you're build, you're, you have a podcast. I do, but it's in French. <laughs> well, that's all right. We, pro we have French people that listen, so go all ahead right. and plug it. So yeah, it's essentially what we were talking earlier. So the DeFi friends for French listeners, they might be interested in the DeFi friends group that is both on Telegram and Discord. That's a start. That's a chat with 3,000 like-minded DeFi enthusiasts. And then from here within the community, we have a few people producing podcasts and live shows, not just me. Nice. So mine, they can find on the YouTube, DeFi Friends YouTube channel, where I do analysis of DeFi protocol. That's a bit of my specialty. It's long and technical and a bit painful for nice. some, but also interesting, I hope. And a bit of DeFi. Yeah. That's awesome. That's oh, awesome. A bit well, of you NFT, can... sorry. <laughs> okay. Send me, send me links to the group and to the podcast. We'll make sure to include those in with the liquidity links. That's great. All right. So awesome. what does a head of growth do? So actually, uh, that's another topic because my title is no longer head of growth <laughs> because ah. the position evolved. So what happened is I onboarded and I started doing quite a few things organically for liquidity, finding my own fit essentially. And within a month scene, kind of went to the team and told them, okay, I love what I'm doing. I think it's very impactful, but it's not what you hired me for. Is that all right? <laughs> and then we had a chat, you know, to better understand what I was actually doing and find a name. And so we came up with this. So my role is now DeFi strategist. And Ooh, what I like do I do? Even better. Yeah. So my function is to, there are several components to it, but the two main ones would be first to handle the questions regarded, regarding liquidity at liquidity. So, uh -huh. you know, our strategy to go liquidity, not liquidity, liquidity on yes. LUSD and LQTY, the platform token. And then nice. the second component would be everything that is related to interactions with other DAOs. 
So, you know, mm -hmm. Liquidity is constantly working with other projects. So, for instance, we recently got LUSD added as a borrowable asset on AVI. That right. required some, you know, politician work essentially to go sure. on the AVI DAO, submit a proposal, follow through, make sure it gets us consensus, help it go through all the voting stage and then implementation. So that's the kind of thing I do essentially business relationship with other DAOs. Nice. They're not businesses, so, you know, DAO to DAO relationship, but we don't have a DAO. So it's a bit hard to define, but yeah, that's, that's my awesome. strategy. Yeah, yeah. So I, the other day I called it P2P. Although P2P is taken as protocol, protocol to protocol. Yeah. 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 That would be and a good I, And I think that's a great, look, I think it's cool because it's a mix of the strategies that you're talking about, right? In terms of the strategies for getting liquid liquidity. Now I want to say liquidity instead of liquidity, getting liquidity. And it's a big job managing liquidity. I mean, it's a huge job for protocols. I was talking to a lead, a founder of a project the other day, and he said, you know, 60% of my time is dealing with trying to build liquidity for our protocol. And I don't have as much time anymore for actually building the protocol, right? And and I think that's becoming a big issue, but I think it's also an awesome opportunity for people in the space who are following the space to understand that if you're if you are good at building relationships and fostering relationships and building and see, seeing and eyeing integration opportunities and partnerships, this kind of P2P biz dev role is interesting, but if you also good at, you know, financial management, math, understanding how liquidity functions, there's other roles as well, but you're wearing two hats basically, but I love the name DeFi strategist. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot about indeed understanding how DeFi protocols works overall and being able to grasp very quickly how a new model works if you don't know it already. Right. And then, yeah, as you were saying, seeing synergies because, you know, my easiest pitch when I go to a DAO is when I have a win-win situation. You do yep. this for us, this bring us that, and we'll do that for you, bring you that. that exactly. Usually it's a done deal. <laughs> well, that's what I tell everybody. You know, marketing growth in 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 DeFi has is dramatically different than the rest of the world because it's primarily based right now on partnerships, integrations, and community growth and engagement, right? Those to me are the most critical factors. And then now, there's promotions, there's events, the other things, but they all feed that. And hundred percent. Yeah. So that's great. What a great gig, man. I'm a little jealous. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm glad I was able to find it. It's you know, it's kind of rare to have a job that is very aligned with your vision for the space and the yeah. SOS too. So I was very I have a hard line on projects I want to work with. I've been very selective over my career and worked with only a few projects. So I'm glad I was able to find one that you know, resonate with my values and also give me um, a playing field, let's say, for my yeah. expertise. So tell everybody why, I think I know the answer to this, but I think it'd be good for you to tell everybody why you, why liquidity fits your ethos, right? Why it, it resonates for you and you think it's important for you to spend your days growing it, if you don't mind. Yeah. So the equation is quite simple. Uh, liquidity is a lending protocol. So far, so good. Okay, we have hundreds of these. Why do you care? Well, you care because it's the only lending protocol that cannot be stopped under any condition. No technical failure, no menace to the funding team or kidnapping a team member to tell him to do this or that. None of that is possible on liquidity. The contracts are, cannot be changed in any way. They will never be changed. So liquidity will run as long as the ECM network synchronizes, which I think should be close to forever, 
or at least long enough that I will be dead long before that. <laughs> <laughs> so really, that's that's the punchline. And to me, it's enough to make off liquidity a public good, essentially, you know, a service that is really in the better interest of the public, be it that they use it or not, because that's another thing interesting about liquidity. Even if you don't want to leverage on your ease, it's actually delivering value to you too, because one of the output of the system is LUSD, a stable coin, and it inherits all the properties of the system, including its immutability. So that makes LUSD the most resilient stable coin there is on Ethereum, far more resilient than anything calling itself decentralized, like DAI or FRAX or MIME or whatsoever. All of these have either immutable codes with a multi-sig, so you can kidnap the team member and mean that stable coin to infinity, that's MIME for instance, or they are heavily relying on centralized stable coins, that's FRAX and Maker, where if you blacklist USDT, you remove USDC, sorry, you remove 80% of the backing for FRAX and 65% for DAI. So essentially both are worthless. That's awesome. That's a great reason to love and work for liquidity. I love that. And, you know, I talk a lot about that dependency on USDC, which bothers me and disturbs me. And when I interviewed Robert and he explained to me the radical decentralization and the launch of liquidity, I was just blown away. And so I'm really excited to see that they have somebody now who's out aggressively pursuing those partnerships that we talked about, because I want to see it out there right? I want to see it happening. So quickly, if you could give us a quick summary of how liquidity functions and let's assume most of the listeners are probably familiar with it, but let's assume that, you know, we're kind of starting at the remedial level of how this kind of a lending protocol and stablecoin would function and why it works so well, if you don't mind. For sure. So for those familiar, we are on a base that is similar to a maker model. It's not a fork, but just the conceptual model of it's a stable coin that can only be created by supplying a collateral, in this case, Ether, to the system. There is no other way to create LUSD. So that's the first thing to understand. Then it's pretty straightforward. So people deposit ETH to borrow an amount of LUSD they can choose. They can go up to what we call a 110% minimal collateralization ratio, meaning that for $1,000 worth of ETH, they would borrow $900 worth of, ETH of LUSD. That's a very risky position though, but sure. they can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the basics. Right for the now, borrowers. this would not be a good time to do yeah. 110%. If, if there is a dip, you're dead. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, one interesting thing for borrower, particularly interesting for long-term positions is that they do not pay an interest rate, 0% interest rate. They only pay an initiation fee of 0.5%. So to put it in simpler terms, essentially, if you intend to keep your loan for a few months, you are better off on liquidity than any other platform there is, because you will usually pay something like a 2%, 1% interest rate. So essentially with liquidity, you just need a few months to, you know, have paid in initiation fee as much as you would have paid the other on the other side. But right. on the other side, it keeps accruing because it's an interest rate. While on liquidity, you're done, you've paid your fees already. Right. Also makes the fees more predictable which I think is quite interesting for borrowers too. No, so that's a borrower side. There are like other interesting technical features we can dive into, but one of the one I find the most fascinating is about the liquidations and how they are handled on the protocol. So on uh, other protocols, liquidations are funded by third parties, the liquidator that come in with the asset that they need to pay your debt, and this is your asset, end of the story. On liquidity, we have a different mechanism where we have what we call a stability pool. 
where it's essentially users who can stake LUSD in that stability pool. They earn an LQTY yield, so that's the native token of liquidity. And the funds will be used for liquidation. So it means that if there is a significant dip on the ETH price, for instance, there will most likely be liquidations. And so the LUSD deposited in the stability pool will be used to repay those loans, but they will also earn the ETH attached to the troves they are liquidating. So if you followed me up to now, you understand that the stability pool is an interesting position because you are in stable coin, 100% stable coin, but then you essentially have a buying option on ETH at the discount. deep price yes. plus a 10% discount. Nice. So to give you an idea, the last big batch of liquidation that happened, the average entry price on ETH for the people in the stability pool was $888. Wow. wow. That's so even, astonishing. Yeah. So that's really cool. And mind you, they were buying the dip when they slept. You know, you don't need to be active. You just deposit in the stability pool and then you go do whatever you want to do. Right. And if there are liquidations, your money and it's will automated. Be Whereas with other protocols, the liquidations have to be initiated. This is the whole pool of people who are stabilizing and liquidating. So there are still liquidators triggering the transactions. And yeah, just like on most protocols, no, it's mostly a bot infrastructure. That's what I was going to say. It's a bot that's doing it automatically. Because there's still a, a little kickback for the one triggering the liquidation, where right. he gets 0.5% of the ease contained in the trove. Okay. So if he's liquidating a very fat trove, that can be a nice reward. Right. So as a stability provider, you're making money from providing that stability. And then when liquidations occur, you're making more money because you're getting ETH at a severe discount. Yeah. Unless nice. we enter a death spiral on ETH and then you're accumulating ETH that keeps falling down. But, you know, we cannot guarantee ETH price. <laughs> of course. Of course. But if you're somebody that believes in the longer term play there, right? Yeah. No matter the bottom, then that makes a ton of sense, right? And for people that are borrowing, it's a great place to to put their E and still be able to get cash out to be able to use that elsewhere in other investments or whatever without selling their ETH because they think there's a longer term. And potential. you can do both at once. So uh, as a user, my main thing with liquidity is that I have a stash of ETH here. I keep a very safe trove where, you know, I only use one fourth of the borrowing power I could be using. And then I stash my LUSD in the stability pool. Nice. So I use it to because, you know, I want to hold stable, but I'm also a long-term believer in ETH. And so that's a way for me to dollar cost average into ETH at the best prices, essentially. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And the platform has done very well. It's well regarded in the community. And what's interesting to me is I thought after I interviewed Robert that I would see more projects. And there are projects I see doing similar ethos and standards, but I expected to see a lot more, especially as things like regulatory frameworks started ramping up. And, and I'm frankly a little disappointed that we haven't seen more, right? I was really hoping that we would see much more of the community going that direction. And it hasn't really happened. And the crazy thing is they have a beautiful example of a project that has maintained itself well, hasn't had any major crises, hasn't, you know, has maintained its stability on the stable coin side. Oh, the other part of this thing is there's no interface for liquidity on the liquidity website, right? So the decentralization goes beyond the contracts deployed and not touchable. They, there is no interface from the liquidity project itself. People have to, other projects deploy the interface or integrate the protocol into their own interfaces. 
Yeah, so the team has produced what they call a front-end kit, which is essentially a pre-built website you can easily implement if you want to be a front-end. But then we also have front-ends that develop their own solution to provide additional features to users. So for instance, DeFi Saver supports liquidity and enables you to leverage on ease or repay with your collateral in a simple streamlined transaction. Nice, very nice. That's awesome. Okay, but so yeah. any, go ahead. I just wanted to say you're right. In the wake of the Tornado Cash event, we've seen a lot more awareness around the situation on front ends and some protocols actually taking it more seriously than before. So I can't remember for sure, but some big names, maybe Avi, I think, deployed an instance on IPFS, for instance, Correct. you know, things like that. But yeah. it's still, yeah, not to the level of where it should be, I think. I, well, I think we're starting to see it. I, I rag for... A long time I've been ragging about Infura being a major weak point for all of us. And this week they announced that the they're okay. deploying a decentralized protocol. And so I'm excited to see that. I, yeah. I, and I think that's probably directly attributable to Tornado Cash and, and what's occurred there and realizing that the trend is probably going to turn against them if they don't. I'm just happy to see it. I don't care what motivated it. So hopefully we'll see a lot more of this now that people are feeling the pressure. You know, the USEC is stepping up its pressure. So I think it's going to be... Hopefully we'll see a lot more of this and liquidity can be the model for others. Yeah, what I would love to see is not just a front-end decentralization, but I want to say the full package of trustlessness that we see on liquidity. So, exactly. You know, front-end decentralization, code is fully immutable, yep. meaning there is no DAO or no governance because it's not needed. Right. And then a sensibility for resilience in the protocol design itself. So things like, for instance, with liquidity, there is an Oracle fallback. So liquidity uses Chainlink, but the Chainlink data is checked against. And if it was to be faulty or missing, another Oracle, which is Teller, kickbacks and nice. takes relay. Nice. Oh, that's cool. I'm interviewing Teller next week. Oh, that's nice. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. No, and I think, look, I think that's, again, it was one of the things that, that excited me about liquidity was the fact that, that step had been taken. And I think... I mean, the ideal is we get to this point where protocols are deploying like liquidity that have maybe specialized functionality. Maybe they're not complex functionally things. Maybe they're just one primitive that can be reused by other projects and other interfaces. And I'd just like to see a lot more of it. So anyway, it's great stuff. We're so we're actually starting to see a bit of this. So oh, good. just to close up on this thought, there are like this trend of protocols that are forking liquidity for a specific use case and removing uh -huh. the token from it and kind of optimizing wow. everything just on the app level. That's so interesting. I'm not sure I can disclose who they are yet, but they should come shortly. And it would be interesting to That's to interesting. Are they actually working with the team to do what they're doing or are yeah. they? Oh, that's so cool. This is what makes me happy too, because liquidity is one of the most fork protocol there is on mainnet. But sadly, most of our forks, let's be honest, are low efforts cash grabs. Yeah. Uh, the team just copy-pasted code. They don't understand it. They did not really seek any collaboration with the team. These guys, they did. So I'm eager to see where cool. project will go. Oh, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, and I love the idea of utilizing the code for another purpose, specialized purpose. That's great. That's cool. All right. So I know that when I talked to Robert last, they were talking about potentially other models being released for liquidity with other tokens and not just ETH. But I think that what has since happened is that the development focused on a new product. And that product is called Chicken Bonds. 
And so I have failed at my job, which I would normally have done over the last few days, but my life has been chaos and didn't do a deep enough dive on chicken bonds. So we're going to let you teach me and all the listeners why chicken bonds was built, what it does and what the value is to, to users and the market, et cetera. So I'm going to let you take it from here and give us the tutorial. Sure. So yeah, let's start with the why, I guess it's the biggest part of the story. So from a high level perspective, the chicken bonds are an attempt at solving the chicken and egg problem we see with liquidity on tokens. So okay. as most of you probably know, there are like tons of tokens out there. And if there are like major tokens, like the top 100, they probably have decent slash sufficient liquidity. But as soon as you venture out of that, you end up with token that might be, I don't know, 50 million market cap for 500K liquidity on a deck somewhere. So that's a right. real challenge for most projects. And yes, there are solutions, but they have the downside. You all know of liquidity mining, for instance, that has a tendency to push the token price down toward oblivion or uh, other solutions to capture liquidity like Olympus Pro, but they right. also have their downside, most notably on the token price too, because sure. you're offering a steep discount to bonders. So yeah, chicken bonds come here in, in that field, trying to offer another solution to solve that chicken and egg problem of liquidity. And essentially the way it does it is it does it with no cost for the project, but time. So it's a solution mm. to slowly build liquidity over time and capture more and more of it. Nice. So yeah, it's quite new. It's an approach that hasn't been tried in no other likely way before. So uh, we've decided to first try it out with our own token, the LUSD stablecoin. And so, yeah, we're going to focus the talk on LUSD chicken bonds today, but there is a generalized version also in the work that any project will be able to harness. But yeah, for this first iteration, it's chicken bond focused, uh, LUSD focused, sorry. So yeah. And so your target market are other protocols who- Eventually, yeah. Eventually who need liquidity. So can you tell us kind of, how it works and how it functions are, is there a role for the end users involved in this kind of, of course. give us the whole concept if you could. Sure. Yeah. So uh, focusing on the LUSD chicken bonds, what they offer to end users is an amplified yield uh, mm -hmm. on the LUSD. So a yield better than the one they would get in the stability pool we discussed before. And by doing so, they will help the liquidity protocol itself build and sustain liquidity and capture some of it. So it's a bit of a, game theory experiment, let's call it like that, because we're experimenting with a novel bonding mechanism. And there is also another very interesting component in it, which is essentially, to my knowledge, this will be the first app ever in DeFi to bring to market what we call dynamic NFTs. So chicken bonds are NFT. They, okay. It's essentially each user come in bond at a certain time with a certain amount. So all bonds are specific. And so the system recognizes them with NFTs. When I found that out, I was like, hey guys, we need to do something with that. It cannot be just a boring technical NFT. And we did it. So it's a generative collection that is created nice. by the user when they bond, but wait for it, it's not even done there yet. So everybody gets a unique egg to begin with when they create a bond, but then depending on their directions with the protocol, they will get either a chat chicken or a scared chicken running away. <laughs> and it goes farther. That's awesome, man. 
because we are Leland stalkers, so we look at the address and what they have done on chain before. Are they actual liquidity supporter? Do they have a trove open? If yes, ah. they might get additional attributes. Nice. Do they vote for all goals on curve? If yes, then another attribute for them Ooh, and so on. Awesome. That's brilliant, man. That's so really cool. I love the gamification and the folk that was really smart to make the NFTs have, have personality or have character and then make people want to participate further by earning more on the NFT, but not necessarily financially, just the attributes of the NFT. That's yeah. a lot of fun. That's cool. I walk me through, if you could, how the chicken bonds are functioning and why they're a better way for managing liquidity and and how the end user interacts and how the protocols interact, if you could. Sure. So yeah, the key to the system is a boosted token. So BLUSD, as we call it, okay. which is uh, essentially a wrapped LUSD earning amplified yield with a rising flow. So this is a bit of the bulk of the interest for the end users. So depending of its pricing, it might be interesting for them to purchase it directly off the market. Right. But the, let's say, regular way to obtain it is simply to bond LUSD within the system. Uh -huh. So when they bond, they deposit LUSD, they get an NFT egg to recognize the deposit, as we discussed. And now they enter an interesting period because essentially bonding is risk-free for the principal. So it means at any time, if they're not happy with the result of their bonding, they can recover the asset. So the full amount of LUSD they put in. Right. And this is how you get a scared running chicken, by the way. We call that chickening <laughs> out. That's awesome. So the <laughs> NFT converts to that when you bail. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. But you bail at no cost, just like pull together. You know, this yeah, is what yeah. we mean by principal protection. You recover, you've bonded 100,000 LUSD. Two weeks later, you decide to bail, to chicken out. Well, you get back 100,000 LUSD. That's awesome. Now, the other action you can take is simply to what we call chicken in. So confirm your bond, claim your bond. So essentially, when you do that, you forego your LUSD to the system, but you get in exchange BLUSD, the boosted LUSD token. And if you wait long enough, you will get an amount of BUSD that amounts for more LUSD than what you put in. And this is also how the yield amplifications occurs. So to put it simply, you put one LUSD into the system and time, and you get the equivalent of one LUSD earning yield of, let's say, 1.2 or 1.3 LUSD okay. if you've waited long enough. So that's what we mean by yield amplification. And yeah, I can go into the details of how the protocol works, but from our end users, those are like the main interactions. So. You want to get BLUSD to get your boosted yield. How you get it? Either you bond, wait, and then claim your bond. That's option one. Or option two, if that's interesting at that moment, you buy it off the market. There would be a BLUSD, LUSD pool. Mm -hmm. Then as soon as you own this BLUSD, you get this sweet amplified yield. And then you have options again. So maybe you want to rebond because it's economically interesting then you can swap your BLUSD back to LUSD and create another bond. Or maybe you just need that money to pay back your debt or buy your house or whatever. Then you swap your BLUSD to LUSD when you're done earning yields and you can do whatever you want with it. That's awesome. And is the bonding, is this a locked bonding? Not locked, obviously you can pull out, but is the 
is this algorithmically determined or when you entering into the bond, do you know the time frame to getting to the yield? So th there is a time frame that you announced in the app. The only okay. thing is the cap. It's based on some mass and depending on the other user's actions too, your ah. rebound time, as we call it, or break-even time, if you want, will vary. So you get a rough idea, let's say plus minus 10% within reality. The duration depends on the system parameterization, but for this LUSD instance, it seems that we're going to be rolling out with essentially the bond should reach close to maturity around 30 days. So 30 no, days in, bad. you should that's be great. break even. Yeah, if you're sitting on the sidelines in a bear market in stable coins, why not, right? Uh, that's fantastic. And then, so the mechanism for how this is working to earn this additional yield for users and also provide liquidity for protocols, can you kind of climb us into that a little bit? Sure. So here we have to go one step deeper into the system and introduce uh, notions we call buckets. Those are like internal accounting tools, essentially. So there are like three buckets where the funds deposited into the system are distributed into. There is a bonding bucket. So when you bond BLUSD, uh, when you bond LUSD, this is where they go. So the, okay. bond, the uh, bonding bucket is quite straightforward. It goes to farm a source of yield that is free of impermanent loss because at any time you can chicken out. And if you do, the system needs to be able to pay you back your full amount. So right. bonding bucket is here for that. Then we have the acquired bucket, which is where most of the assets are once users have chickened in. Those two are producing yields in a source free of impermanent loss. And those two can be recovered by the users if they want to through a mechanism we call redemption, where you burn BLUSD to get back a pro attaché of the LUSD that is in that bucket. So this is a way to ensure a rising pr price flow for the BLUSD token. And then there is a third bucket called the acquired bucket, which is the LUSD acquired, so permanently part of the system. And these are the ones used to supply liquidity because on these ones, they are part of the system. They don't need to be returned to the users at any time. And so they can stomach impermanent loss if there is some. So that's really like the main logic. You have those three buckets, bonding, acquired, permanent. And the interesting thing for the yield amplification is that all three buckets are producing yields from one source or another, but all the yield is redirected to one bucket, the reserve bucket. So this is why also the BLUSD yield amplification is growing. How, uh, what methodologies are being used to generate the yield? Sure. So two main sources here are the yield LUSD vault that farms stability pool mostly, but it might evolve. Mm -hmm. And then for the permanent bucket providing liquidity, we go through Yearn again, but this time the Yearn curve LUSD vault. So that supplies okay. liquidity to the curve LUSD pool. Makes sense. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. Oh, and go ahead. So, sorry, I just realized it actually changed. So for the LUSD part, we use B protocol, not Yearn. Sorry. It evolved I got you. in the context. Okay. But it's okay. the same thing. So it deposits yeah, yeah. into the stability pool and compounds everything back to LUSD. That's awesome. And B protocol, isn't that a, a liquidation protocol? Yeah. Yeah, so BeeParacol is one of the spiritual brainchild of liquidity, let's call it as that, because essentially what they do is stability pool as a service for other protocol. Right. So if you're a lending protocol, but you're not an alpha chat like liquidity and you don't have your native stability pool, that's all right. It's okay. You cannot get design right every time, but you can still <laughs> go to the BeeParacol guys and they will build a stability pool for you on top of your protocol. And you That's can be as awesome. chat as liquidity. That's friggin' awesome, man. I love the attitude. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Okay, so if I'm a protocol, how am I making use of 
so essentially this is going to deploy relevant to my tokens at that point. Can you explain, walk us through that? Because obviously you all have the advantage of having the existing liquidity protocol to utilize. Yeah. So how does it work for a different protocol? So that's a bit of the hard part with the generalized version is essentially just LUSD chicken bond instance is like heavily customized to liquidity, as you noted. Sure. Uh, the generalized version, as its name would suggest, is built using really like standard DeFi building blocks. And okay. so essentially, as long as you have a token, mm. you will have access to those blocks. We're still like setting in stone what are the actual requirements, but we're making sure they are as low as possible so that every token can onboard them. To clarify maybe what I want to say is, we don't picture chicken bonds as a solution for a project that is worth $10 billion to build another $2 billion of liquidity. That's not the right. goal. Right. The target profile is more, let's say, 10 to 100M market cap token that want to build 2 Wants to 5, 10M liquidity. Nice. So, you know, right. No, that makes sense. Like it's that's a perfect market niche as far as I'm concerned, right? I mean, because there are so many projects that are in that position and it gives you something that's instantly appealing to them in a way to grow that without spending every second of the day managing 500 different liquid liquidity liquidity strategies. Exactly. So I picture the generalized chicken bonds as like a ready to deploy token game for protocol to engage the users in a way that will help them capture and grow liquidity long term. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Really like that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So it's the same basic structure, just using protocols outside of the liquidity infrastructure. Yeah, precisely. And there might be other changes needed to the model, but yeah, they're very minor because like the specificity of the LUSD chicken bond is they take as an entry token LUSD raw directly. For the generalized chicken bonds, we are gearing more towards accepting an LP token as an entry. Ah, okay. It makes a whole system a bit more complex. generalizable. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, but more complex for more the complex end users. to deal with it. But then we're taking steps to make it as easy as possible to understand and minimize risk. That's cool. I get it. It's complex, but, yeah, but just you like want to make liquidity, it as simple as possible. There will be no so our front end nice. operator will implement uh, the new components awesome. to give access to the chicken bonds. And likely for the generalized version, same way, there will be no UI. We picture more like maybe a, a website that will list all the opportunities and then give the tools for projects to implement the chicken bonds interface onto their own website or whichever website they want really. So this gives other protocols the ability to build in more functionality, just like they can with liquidity, but also with this and provide a solution to the yep. market. That's awesome. Do you envision that protocols would work through those partners? to use this protocol as, oh. or would they come directly to you guys to, to deal with it? And that's a good question. I think at least for the first in instances, it would probably be a bit manual, you know? We want right. it to be like first layer right. serve where you can go on right. the website, deploy the instance, plug it in and boom, you're good to run. Right. For the first five instances, I would be more confident if I know at least the team, I know where to reach them and help them make sure they optimize the implementation as much as possible. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, is the liquidity version going to be radically decentralized when it's launched? So the LUSD version, yeah, it's slightly less at liquidity itself, but it's still very resilient. So no governance, table code again, no radical needed this time. So that's not a problem. So yeah, it's still built in the same spirit, but because of the use case, 
it has to have a certain requirements. For in that case, the main the main limits, let's say, comes from the third party protocols we're using within the system. So for instance, you know, we're talking about right. B protocol that is integrated into the chicken bond or Yarn Finance. Well, mm -hmm. well, we can't do anything about Yarn's finance security. You know, it's up to them. Good news is right. it's Yarn Finance, it's not Bobby's finance launched two days ago on BSC. So you know, <laughs> it's still good. like they are well respected, they have a reputation, mm -hmm. they've been through a lot yeah. and still around. So that's a good sign. This sounds fantastic. What's the current general timeline for this? Oh, general, I cannot give you strong commitments, but for LUSD. No, I get advanced, it. That's why I said general. Yeah, yeah. So for the LUSD version, this one is ready to in the next couple of weeks, essentially. Oh, cool. Awesome. Awesome. Now, the LUSD version, is that also going to be released without a UI? Yeah, so same logic where we're going to update our front-end kits so that all current front-end operators can easily implement chicken bonds if they want nice. to do so. We've let nice. them know far in advance so that they can do all the work. So yeah, we're confident a fair majority of front-end operators will have chicken bonds from day one. And the model for liquidity for the front-end operators is they can take a cut. Is that going to be similar with the chicken bonds model as well? They can set what parameters they want on it? So we thought about this, but what happens with the original model for liquidity is essentially a race to the bottom in terms of yeah, fees. Zero. Yeah. And now most front-ends that see significant usage have zero fees. <laughs> so you now we skip this kickback model altogether and huh. we're just based on, let's say, let's say the goodwill and interesting. Yeah. Like well, general support for the project. From yeah. Project. The race to zero always interested me because, I mean, it was obvious to see that could happen. But what I found interesting was that I didn't notice at the time, I haven't looked at it in a long time, my, my feeling was there was an opportunity to go after a market that wouldn't mind a small commission being coming back to the provider of it, right? As an integration with another platform or whatever that had its own set of users, but didn't necessarily, wasn't concerned that the average user knew there were 10 other liquidities on the market and they could shop around, right? And so... To me, I always found it surprising that uh, because it no, was, to, to me, liquidity was a business opportunity, right? Of deploying something. And if you had a captured audience, making a reasonable number to provide that and maintain it seemed reasonable to me. Now I get it. Most of these providers have other revenue streams that are uh, have implemented it, but I think there's opportunity there. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Initially, I thought that we would see one or several front ends really rise up through added features, super clear UI or things like yeah. that. Uh, to be true, in the early days of the protocol, that did not happen. Like the most complete and clear and well done front end came um, a bit later on. So it's like DeFi Saver or things like that. And they do not charge a fee as far as I know of. So huh. yeah. Interesting. Well, that's interesting. Well, like I said, look, the more power to them. They're adding more value to their user base. And if they don't want to charge for it, that's all good. And I mean, they have a different uh, monetization model too. So uh, sure. for instance, on DeFi Saver, you can do complex interactions where they will, for instance, borrow LUSD, swap for ease, put it back in the trove, reborrow LUSD, swap for ease. So leverage for you in one TX. And on the swaps that you do, I think you pay like 0.1% fee. Because it goes through the their engine. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. Yeah, and that's kind of a hidden thing. That's smart. I'm excited about the chicken bonds thing. I love, here's, here's why I like it, because I think its goal to, is to solve a huge pain point among protocols and founders right now. And well, a completely mission critical component of existing in DeFi is liquidity, right? So you, if you don't solve that problem, 
you probably don't exist anymore. You so if you, can, if you can do that for new projects, I think that's really powerful. The other really cool thing about it is that you become a part of helping new projects grow, right? So you become seen as a critical infrastructure piece to the entire growth of DeFi, which is something we're all trying to do. And so from my perspective, I think there's a lot of opportunities from, from your role in this protocol to protocol thing, from your ability to kind of create a network. Well, then what's potential to happen, right? If all of these protocols that are growing together are utilizing chicken bonds for their liquidity, then it's a very natural thing that LUSD can become parts of their protocol, right? Or liquidity can become part, uh, LQTY can become part of these other protocols because the brand of liquidity grows amongst people that are growing in the space. So look, I think anything that increases usable use of liquidity and LUSD is a great thing. And I think this strategy actually seeds that further for you guys. Well, I'm glad you you resonate with it. Yeah, I do think there is there's something interesting with that protocol too, where early supporters of a project will not only get financially rewarded for it with the yield, but they will also get a forever on-chain proof of the support through the NFTs they get and how chat they are. So yeah, even for projects in the long run, there might be value, you know, right. maybe further down the line, you want to reward your first 500 liquidity providers on chicken bonds. Well, you can do that easily. That's just a chicken in NFT order from ID one to 500, boom. That's Bad brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic. Love it. Love that. That's awesome, man. Really cool. All right. Is there anything else we need to know about chicken bonds or anything else going on with kind of the liquidity project in general that we haven't talked about today? I mean, we've said high level on liquidity. So maybe for those who already heard about us a while ago, I'll tell them to check all the new integrations that have been popping out. So on oh, the let's top go of through my head. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned, I think earlier, you can now borrow LUSD on AVI. Yeah, uh, we have more coming on that front shortly. Nice. Uh, we've launched LUSD on Optimism too. So now you have liquidity against various decentralized table coins on Velodrome. Nice. LUSD Not has the been... protocol itself, just the token. Yeah, the token, okay. LUSD. Liquidity is still mainnet only. And then LUSD is also usable as collateral to borrow euros on two different protocols. So those wow. are Mimo and Angle.money. So, nice. That's an interesting flow for essentially Europeans, Ethereum holders who are looking to off-ramp in an optimized manner. And I will let them do their research further down the line. <laughs> That's um, excellent. Yeah, and a few other things are coming up. One I'm really excited for is having a pool together, LUSD pool. So I don't know if you're familiar with pool together. Sure, sure. But go ahead. You can tell people about it, but it's just essentially a, a, a way for people to win on earnings as it's as all, everyone's investment is pooled into a pool together and a certain number of people within that pool get the bonus yield combined of everybody's force. Yeah, exactly. So that's like a, a lottery, but what is being put up for grabs is the yield your token generate, not the base tokens themselves. So meaning if everything comes worst and you never win anything, you go out of here, here with the amount you initially put it in. So in that sense, it's very similar to the chicken bonds. And it was one of an inspiration for us, you know, the principal protection, uh -huh. as we call it. Nice. So... Yeah, it's a really elegant design and leads to some cool stories. Some people have deposited 500 into pool together and won the 1K jackpot, for instance. So that's X2 on your nice. money with stable coins. It's really nice. And I think it's a cool way to educate people to DeFi, 
saving, all this kind of reasoning, and also security. So yeah, I'm excited for this one, but it requires a few more integrations I'm currently working on. But yeah, cool thing is the put together community is excited too. So the day it launches, it would be quite a party. That's fantastic. I love that. I really do. It makes total sense. And I love that it kind of had been an inspiration related to chicken bonds. Yeah. So those are like the main integrations we're working on. We obtained over the last few months. We have more coming up. That's essentially my job as we were nice. discussing earlier. So are they public yet? No, sadly. But yeah, more Avi, more interesting things, uh, growing the existing integrations. That would be my focus on top of chicken bonds, of course. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, another thing we forgot to mention, just food for thought at this point, but I mentioned that chicken bonds gives you a token that is an ERC20 based on LUSD with a rising price flow and earning boosted yield. I don't know about you, but for me, this sounds like an amazing collateral to have somewhere. So that would uh, probably be one of the first focus on out. That's amazing. When you were talking about it, I thought, well, what if I could borrow against that, right? <laughs> and then that's fantastic. Wow, you guys have a lot going on. How many people on the team? Oof, about a dozen, uh, roughly. That's awesome. And Robert's back full-time, so no more. And he's coming back to make more work for everybody. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was an inspired hiatus. Hi Nice. I love the idea of people doing that to kind of sit and reflect and think about what they're going to do next. Okay. So I ask anything else we should know. I'll put all the show notes. I'll put the links to every, all the project and Twitter and everything else. Anything else we should know about liquidity before I get to my last question that I ask everybody. Let me just check if I forgot anything significant about the chicken bones, but I think I covered it all. Yeah. Just tracing out cool. one more time that I truly, I need to double check that, but I did it the other day, a few weeks ago. So, so far, as far as my knowledge goes currently, as of September 20, there is no other DeFi protocol where interacting with it means a unique NFT from a generative collection. And then your further interactions with the protocol makes that NFT evolve into something else. So I'm Love really it. excited for Liquidity to bring this world first to mainnet. And that's going to get attention. I, that, from my perspective, there will be people that do this just to get that. Right. I mean, that's and part that of the gives game them an theory opportunity to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine the situation where you bond LUSD and you get a crazy badass super rare egg. Are you going to chicken in or will you keep the egg? Hmm? Are those NFT, those NFTs would be transferable? Of course. Yes. All right. So that makes for an interesting play. Like if the, yeah. if the NFT is attractive enough and people love it, and then the value behind that NFT is interesting. That makes for an interesting marketplace play eventually. Yeah, there is actually two layers of game theory to it because so essentially when you bond, you get an NFT. This NFT is a claim on your assets. So just right. like a Uniswap V3 LP NFT, it contains the assets. So if you send me that NFT, you just sent me your LUSD that were in it. I can chicken out and recoup the LUSD or wait for enough time and chicken it with your B LUSD. Right. But now the NFT you get once you chicken in or chicken out, it's a pure aesthetic NFT. It's not tied to the assets anymore because you've been paid out the assets. Sure, so if you, sure. If you chickened in, you got your BLUSD. If you right. chickened out, you recovered your LUSD. So those chicken in and chicken out NFTs are going to be a different market than the bonded NFTs because bonded NFTs are tied to an actual underlying Asset. value, yeah. an amount of LUSD. 
when the others are just about your adventure with the chicken bones protocol. Essentially. Didn't do. That's fun. I can't wait to jump into that. Okay. So I ask a question of everybody that comes on the show. And the question is of the DeFi, uh, this can be a person or a project. It usually ends up being a person, but it's up to you. Which person or project is to you not liquidity related, to you most either inspirational or you feel like is really shares kind of your ethos and is leading DeFi in the direction you think that it needs to be? Someone who's inspirational, someone that you admire, someone that you're doing great work and you think is really important to the ecosystem. Yeah, I think the choice is quite easy for me. I'm a bit biased because it's one of my DeFi first love, but uh, I would go with Michael Egorov, founder of Curve. Ah, uh, sure. Just because whole Curve does things, you know, I feel like they're still, like DeFi grew. I've been here for four years, as I was telling, and I saw it becoming as a space of pirates, of pranksters that were, you know, building this alternate financial system. And then it professionalized and the Americans came in, the VC came in and now everybody is happy, party all the time. Every Twitter account is a lifestyle account. I love some protocols that would recognize themselves. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like we've lost something in a way. And yeah. Quite, uh, most of the teams lost some things that became yeah. like lifestyle brands. But there is one team that never lost track of this North Star. And I think that's a curve team. That's fantastic. Like elements that kind of hint towards that is... For instance, things about the token launch. So for those who don't recall, the CIV token was launched by a rando on the internet that discovered and deployed the code. The Curve team kind of audited the deployment to make sure everything was all right, and then recognized it as the official one, and they ran with it. So that's they amazing. did not deploy the contract for their own token. You know, that's that kind of spirit we're not seeing anymore those days. Right. Absolutely. I love that, and it's perfect that you work for Liquidity and that's the choice you make and the reason for your choice. That's fantastic, mm -hmm. man. Thank you so much. I'm excited about what's happening with Liquidity. I'm excited and happy that a protocol is operating the way it is and deploying the way it is because I want to see more of it. So hopefully um, the opportunity for other protocols to start utilizing LUSD instead of USDC or USDT is something we'll start seeing more of that. And you and your role can hopefully help make that possible and happen and the pressure will be on from outside to help us get there so that's fantastic man congratulations thank uh, you. on the gig safe travels in the nomad life and thank okay. you for thanks for coming on and sharing all this with us today this podcast was a blast thanks brad my pleasure man thank you you have a good day